the thing that ties us all together is we are master liars and manipulators of our own fate. It's those lies of omission, the pattern. When you look inside of your life, you may be thinking about it right now. There's lies you're living every day. And you walk around knowing that and you got this anger and this resentment inside of it, this fear is what should I say, what shouldn't I say? And then you add on the business pressure. And, this. and if you break it down to that one fundamental core piece right there, that's the pattern, bro. Every man that I know is a liar. Welcome to the Waste No Day podcast, a podcast specifically for and about the home services industry as it relates to plumbing, heating, air conditioning, and electrical. More than a podcast, Waste No Day is a credo, a determination, a mindset. It is a never-ending discipline. It is a refuse-to-lose pursuit. It is a wake-up call every morning to waste no day. Now here's your hosts, Brian Burton and Nate Minnick. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Waste No Day podcast. Your host, Nate and Brian, are hanging out with you again. And man, do we have a hard-hitting, deep episode coming your way. Mark Jennison of I Am A Comeback will be joining us for a two-parter. And we're looking forward to having a great conversation with him about our feelings. (laughs) Oh, let's not start on our feelings, buddy. (laughs) No, we're going to be talking about great things like stop making excuses, stop lying to yourself, and so much more. It's going to be some hard-hitting, in-depth conversation. Before then, we're going to break that idea down for ourselves and turn to Brian for our quote. To have a comeback, you have to start with a setback. Mr. T. Mr. T. I don't know how many of our audience is going to have no idea who that is. He, uh, well, I pity the fool who doesn't. So, <laughs> boom! <laughs> I, I was not sure you knew, but you're not that old. you're not that young. Uh, Rocky three did it for me. So, it, was it Clubber? I can't, remember, Clubber I can't Lane? remember his name. Uh, maybe that rings a bell, but I can't I can't get it yeah, definitively. What, what was his name in uh, A Team? See, that one's before me. But that's where the pity the fool thing came from. Yeah. Well, oh, no, he did it in Rocky Three too, so it must have been like his. Oh, did he? His personal thing. Okay. Yeah, we'll have to get him on the show and ask him. <laughs> Let's do that. Let's do that. <laughs> I see what I can do. But who we have on the show today is Mark Jennison, which uh, is actually a pretty fascinating story as to how that even came about. Yeah, and, and we will get to that in a sec. But the but the uh, comeback thing is awesome because I was watching a movie that I've probably watched. 25 times and I think I watched it the 26th with my wife the other night which is uh, The Notebook? <clears throat> no, that's you buddy. <laughs> okay. I've not watched the what's the author's name? <laughs> yeah. We're you not, know, doing, you know we're not doing that again. Right, I'm going to get that episode <laughs> back out. Uh, um, I've, I've watched it I don't know easily a dozen times uh, Russell Crowe movie Cinderella Man. It's one of my all time favorite movies. I asked my wife if she would know what my favorite movie is, and she threw out Cinderella Man. And I was like, you know, I'm not even sure what my favorite movie is, but I know Cinderella Man would be very high on the list. And what's the reason for that, as we were talking about it? It's just the comeback story. It's just such a great, it's such a great uh, story in, in general that we all, we all love to see. We don't necessarily love to be part of. I mean, I've had some comebacks in my life, and, I never feel like the, the highs were worth the lows, you know? So 
a comeback is great when you're on the uptick, but you know, when you're hitting bottom, whatever that bottom might be, not so great. But Cinderella man, it was like oh, I can't think of the guy's name. Do you remember the you remember the uh boxer? Man, I know my boxers too, but I'm just drawing a blank on it. Uh Jim Braddock. Jim Braddock. Yep. Uh that's right, James Braddock. Yeah, the Bulldog. Um, Russell Crowe played James Braddock, and and he he was an up and comer, heading for a title shot. Hurt his wrist. Then the Great Depression happened, and you know he and his wife were barely feeding the kids. And I mean, like, you know, f- fried bologna, one slice of fried bologna for the whole family type, barely feeding the kids. Lost the heat and everything. And you know, I don't want to give the story away for anyone who hasn't seen it. You should see it. It's an absolutely fantastic movie. But it's a massive comeback story, and no, nothing makes people prouder than being part of a big comeback story, and all Mark Jennison does is help men have comeback stories. And, you know, you could be in the worst, in the worst part of your life ever, or you could just not be where you want to be. And um, from what from what I've read about him and what one of my mentors, Ken Goodrich, tells me about him. He's the person who will make wherever you're at now, when you're done, when he's done with you, you will have a new comeback story. Brian, this is a, a great time of year to be reflecting upon ourselves. It's Thanksgiving week, and uh, we are we're taking time to be particularly grateful for the many blessings that we have in our life. And one of those is the opportunity to have a second chance. Right. So whether it's in your life and and things are going well right now, but you're looking for something more or whether things are not going so well and you're looking for a change, the ability to have a second chance, the opportunity to grow and learn from whatever has been to wherever you're going to go is something to truly be grateful about. And I think, you know, in in this season of Thanksgiving, uh, spending time being thankful for those things and the many blessings that we do have is, is so important but also pursuing the things that we have yet to acquire. And I'm not talking necessarily about material things. I mean, you know, there's, there's a market for that, but I'm talking about me, right? Who I am, the person that I am right now in terms of, do I like it? Is it enough? Is, is this all I was meant to be? Is there something more within me? And Mark has such a way of drawing out uh, those conversations and, and hitting into the silence of who we are into areas that we're not traditionally willing to discuss openly because it's very vulnerable, but he has such a way of just going straight at it and cutting through all that crap to the real issue and, and hitting it head on. It's refreshing. Yeah. I believe this will be among our best ever episodes, if not our best ever episode. Of course, anytime someone is on who we've done an episode with, that was our best ever episode. But, uh, Today, it's Mark. So, best ever episode. (laughs) I want to read, uh, I haven't read reviews in a few weeks, and they're stacking up on me here. So, I want to read a review from our buddy, Court Lundberg. Oh, my man, Court. Court, Right? I sure do. Must listen if you're in the trades. Five stars. I am loving this podcast. Hold on, let me say it like you wrote it. I am loving this podcast. (laughs) I met Brian and Nate at Vertical Track, and as a growing plumbing business, this podcast is a gold mine of information. Yeah, we got to uh, meet Court and his lovely wife, Maddie. Um, my wife was there as well, and we had dinner with them one night. 
and uh, it was a great time. They're they're pretty young, right? How old was Court? Sheesh, I mean, they felt super young to yeah. me, but and Nate's pretty young, so <laughs> really painful to me. I don't know, mid twenties, maybe like late twenties yeah. or, or something like that. Yeah, but they're just like super hungry, super motivated, brand new upstart plumbing company. Um, and they were just all over the place absorbing as much information as they could. And uh, it was great to meet you guys. They they did not know about the show, which is crazy to me. You know, there was one person in the industry <laughs> who didn't know about Waste No Day. <laughs> um, and since then, they become fans, and he, he texts me about episodes every now and then. So appreciate the review, Court. Uh, if you out there enjoy the show, get anything from it, We at this point, man, we're only asking for one thing in return. All right, two things. Share it, get somebody else to listen, and write us a review. Either uh, do what Court did here on the Apple Podcast app or jump on Spotify and hit the five-star button. And uh, if you write us a review, we will most likely read it on air. Eventually, we'll get to it. Well, what we're going to get to right now is part one of a conversation. And man, buckle up. This is going to be a deep one, but it's going to be worth it. We're going to put Mark Jennison in your passenger seat. Our guest today is Mark Jennison. He has the unique honor of knowing that he has saved the lives of thousands of men. But that came through a journey of hardship, perseverance, and triumph. Born with an entrepreneurial spirit, Mark grossed over $75 million in revenue for a company he created in just six years. However, the shackles that drugs and alcohol had on him for over 21 years destroyed it all. And while on a vacation to Jamaica celebrating the signing of a multi-million dollar client, Mark's addiction reached a pinnacle, causing his wife to leave him, along with the promise that he'd never see his son again. When Mark returned home, his addiction continued its path of destruction, and he was removed from his own business. Mark tried all types of rehabilitation programs, including AA, 12 Steps, and more, yet none were successful and he realized that he needed to delve into the why behind the drinking. Through intense self-evaluation and fortitude, Mark was able to assemble a program for himself that created a complete comeback. With men clamoring to understand what Mark did, I Am A Comeback was born. It was founded with the purpose of helping people make changes in their lives they didn't realize were possible, giving hope to the hopeless, and helping the broken piece themselves back together. Since the date started, thousands of business owners, executives, entrepreneurs, leaders, doctors, and lawyers have successfully completed the I Am A Comeback program. Through its unique approach dispelling most of what's been said about alcoholism, Mark and his team liberate men from the shackles of alcohol, turning their struggle into strength. With that, welcome to the show, Mark. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for coming on and making it happen pretty quickly. Uh, Ken put you and I in a group chat with him, um, it was like two weeks ago, and When right? you say Ken. Oh, sorry. Ken Goodrich. I mentioned it on last week's episode for our listeners, but yeah. Ken Goodrich uh, is a friend and mentor of mine and a friend of yours and, and a client of yours, as I understand it. And he put us in a group yeah, think, a couple weeks ago. I think the best way to, re- to um, talk about our relationship is a friend and a mentor to each other. Certain things in life that I help him with, certain things like he's helped me with. So it goes both ways. Well, I hope he would say the same about me, but he's certainly said the same about you, um, that you've helped him with a lot of things. Uh, talking to me about you and your program, he just sh- sent me a text that said, uh, here was my net worth before I met him. 
Here's my net worth now. Here was my weight before I met him. Here's my weight now. I said, okay, where do I sign up, yeah. Mark? <laughs> <laughs> the weight, you know, the weight that he lost, out of all the results that he got, money's cool, right? There's not a man listening to this show that doesn't want to make more money, but money's just a, a product of how hard you work, how smart you are, how much time you're willing to put into it. But what he did with his weight, and what, hopefully he listens to this, but what he, you know, what he really did, because I know the commitment to the walks and the obsessive nature he took to getting down and looking fit and wanted to have his abs by at his birthday party that I went to in Vegas. Like he literally, that that's like amazing results. Like he looks great. If you ever look at him, no offense, he's just fat and overweight and slow and lethargic. You don't even recognize him. Now he's fit. He looks like he lost, uh, gained 20 years of life. He really does. I was telling him that on his episode of Waste No Day, which was just a couple of weeks ago, that he looked, I knew him, I mean, I met him back in 2012, sorry, back in 2004, and he looks healthier now that I saw him, um, you know, a couple months ago than he ever has, which is crazy. He's like uh, Benjamin Button over here. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool, man. I mean, and what's cool about, like, what I do and the guys that I get to work with, they're all high-level, high-performing type of guys, and the guys who take it seriously and make that life shift and that life transition, they literally, they, they find youth, man. And it's not so much from anything other than looking inside or finding that peace and really what they want. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know how you want to leave this thing, but I could go on and on and start coaching if you want. Well, yes, yeah, so it sure wouldn't turn uh, coaching away, man. That's that's what <laughs> no. we're about here. But why don't you start off by telling us uh, who are you, what what company are you about, and what do you do? So my name is Mark Jennison. I'm the founder and creator of I'm a Comeback. Um, I know that you sent an email for me to keep it kind of PG, so I won't use any cuss words, but um, <laughs> I was a man who literally needed to stop lying. Uh, from 27 to 33, I owned a trucking company. I mean, if we back all the way up to my, the time I was a kid, man, I, I came from a really rough upbringing, parents fighting, nobody wanted me, abandoned. Just life was not good for me. Mom and dad literally fought and kicked and scrapped, you know, screamed and beat each other. It was just awful. And no money, cars getting repossessed, and just your basic white trash neighborhood right um so w when i when i got older i found drinking and drugs about 14 years old um you don't have much money at 14 but that that progressive load that sedation that euphoric hit of just being able to not feel or be able to feel what i wanted to feel which was powerful was something that stuck with me my whole life what i find interesting at the core of Looking back at who I was as a 14-year-old man was the same action, same activity, same obsession that got me into making millions and millions and millions of dollars. It got me into building multiple businesses, got me into trouble, got me into everything that I did. So why I share that with you is I knew nothing. I was just just like every price of your listeners, guys are out there trying to figure it out. And then one day I took the obsessive nature into building a business. And from 27 to 33, I made just shy of $100 million in my trucking company. I knew nothing about transportation. Um, we won't go into my whole dark side of the story but basically my uncle who was raising me or who showed up as a father figure in my life had this broke bust and disgusted beat up trucking company he just fought cancer i uh, got a clean bill of health on a friday died on wednesday and i decided i was going to go into business i knew nothing about it. at that time i was drinking two bottles of captain morgan's a day and um i turned that into like i said just shy of 100 million dollars but i knew nothing about trucking. I knew nothing about business. I knew nothing about anything. I knew that if I could just work hard and I set goals and I just could not work, everybody I could, everybody did touch to gold. But what happened was as 
the pressure got in and I was looking at becoming exposed because I didn't really know what I was doing and got in a bad relationship and ended up having a kid with a woman I didn't want to have a kid with. And my life was, my life was compounding at a, at a rate, right? Like it looked great on the outside, but inside I was crumbling and crumbling and crumbling and that business came tumbling down. So that was like my first, actually my second, um, real loss. And what happened was after I lost that trucking company, some moves I made, Interesting thing, right? I just signed a $27 million contract with Generac Power Systems to be their sole in-house and uh, outbound truck driver for these divisions up here in Wisconsin. And I signed it on <laughs> drunk, got a bottle of vodka. And then I got like, I got out. I'm like, man, I got to get my stuff together. I got to get it together. And I went to, I, I went to an AA meeting. I walked in. I'm like, this isn't for me. There was guys talking about doing sexual things to other guys to create money to get their drinks. I'm like, this isn't me. I just signed $27 million. And I went out and got some more cocaine and drinking went went down that path anyways i don't want to make this too much about that part of it. i want to make make it about like what i did i lost that company and then the depression set in the anger the rage the hatred i was exposed right the very thing i didn't want to happen was exposed i had nothing i lost i wasn't able to see my kid i wasn't able to i had the irs coming after me i had every single thing that you could imagine coming at me and then on top of it i decided to try heroin <laughs> And the first time I tried heroin, my best friend died. And then I'm, I'm literally trying to breathe breath back into this person. And the girl that gave it to him, because I didn't see him give it to him, is like hiding and shooting up. And like, I'm like, what just happened to me? Right? Like, my life is a mess. And you would think it would stop there. But I kept going further and further and further down that hole once that bit me. Because then I was fearful I was going to go to jail. And then the cops were trying to pin stuff on me. Anyways, in the midst of that, I decided, or everyone who... I was afraid I was going to be exposed to family, friends, people working for me that I carried in that initial trucking company. They basically like, what do we do now, Mark? So even though I have all the weight of the world on my back, I started another company and I turned basically the $200 I had in my account to be able, or in my pocket to be able to get an LLC into 6 million in 10 months. And then I came crushing down again. Uh, I decided, you know, that wasn't for me. Long story short, who am I? I'm a man. My story is not one of like sadness or depression or darkness. It's one of redemption and victory and courage and understanding that the gifts that I inherently have and that I've got from God or the universe or spirits were the very things that can liberate men. So today I've been able to help over 10,000 men gain control of their life, their thoughts, their, their emotions, their actions over whatever problems that they're facing, whatever obstacle that it is. And typically, you can find at the core of that there's one tool that everyone uses a little too much, which is alcohol. So if you were to go look me up online, you would see I am a comeback um, that helps businessmen, lawyers, doctors, pilots, guys like that help gain control of their alcohol. But really, the truth is that's just a marketing ploy. Because the truth is, the alcohol is never the problem; it's the solution. People just trust me because they see that dark story that I had. So who I am today is um, I, I work with a very, very niche type of guy, guys like Ken. Uh, I shouldn't say that, man. There's some blue-collar guys that just had that desire because we were all, myself, Ken, probably other clients, you guys at the same time. Like, we were, we all start from somewhere, right? But some of us just understand that inside we have more power. We possess these other skills and we can utilize them on a faster, stronger basis. So there is some blue-collar guys that come in that absolutely crush it with me. Who I don't help is people who think they're weak, diseased, and powerless. I can't, I can't change their mind. I don't want to change their mind. So today I stand in front of you as a man who's been able to help over 10,000 men radically shift their life, gain control of everything from their relationship to their body, to their, their businesses, right? Like Ken's got some, he's a, he's a prime example 
but I've got thousands and thousands of those things. So it's a really cool thing, man. Basically what I've been able to do, if you look at the word, I am a comeback, it's a statement of power. It's a belief. It's an identity. It's something that someone can grab a hold of in a midst of turmoil, like when in their darkest, deepest pits, be like, yo, man, I can actually come back from this. Instead of looking at it like, woe is me. My life is over. I don't know how to do it. So my whole path, my whole process, the thing that I do basically empowers and liberates men from, from jump. We can do it in a radically quick way. Three weeks is honestly all it takes for me to change a guy's life. Whew. Now that is what I call an introduction. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> that wasn't the whole episode? <laughs> <laughs> Wow, Mark, I, where do we start from there, man? So let's let's dig in. I mean, the, the story is one thing. The passion is another. Um, and, and it sounds like you're helping people of all walks of life and varieties. And I, one thing that stood out in, in, well, a lot of things that stood out there, but one thing that you mentioned was that alcohol or, or whatever it is is generally the coping mechanism for the problem that sits behind it. Yep. And <clears throat> so, so as you as you mentor many people and, and you've gone through all these experiences, what are the patterns that you see uh, from, from basically, you know, all, all different walks of life and all different backgrounds and career paths and all that. What are the patterns that you see that are common to each other? So, I mean, it's an interesting pattern. Um, typically with the guys that I work with, we'll just use Ken and myself's example. We have some jacked up relationships with our dads. So, like, it's even deeper than the alcohol, but all the way down, I think there comes this, this desire to want to make daddy proud. And then when you realize you've outworked dad or you could never make him proud or you weren't good enough, that creates a self of, like, imposter syndrome inside or this lack of self-worth, scarcity-type mindset. So those are typically, that's, like, that's one thing. Like, on a surface level, it's dad. The other thing is it's the pressure, right? So a lot of guys, they ask, and, and maybe ladies too, right? But typically, the way that I look at the world is that I live in, the lens that I'm in, it's guys that are going out there doing the hunting and doing the creating. And we go and we ask this world for big problems, right? I want to make $1 million. I want to make $10 million. I want to own the world's largest HVAC company. I want to, you know, I want to change the world. And we get this pressure, this self-induced pressure on us, thinking that it sounds good on the outside, but we weren't wholeheartedly committed. So at the core, what sits there is, excuse me, a lack of commitment to be able to get through the hard times. And when you get to those hard times, many dudes just crumble and fold. And then they have to take a, and it's not actually uncommon because it's just part of the process. And there's, at the core, there's a message that every guy is missing, which is, I'm going to say it one time, and I hope you don't, uh, I know it's a kid from the show, but there's three words that need to be said on this episode for every man, woman, and you guys listening. Stop f***ing lying. Why did I say that? Because the path, the common denominator, the thing that ties us all together is we are master liars and manipulators of our own fate. And I'm not talking about the lies of commission that we may or may not say. Like, oh, man, my business did $3 million when it really did, you know, $1.7. Or to your wife, hey, I'm going out with the boys. I'm going to have two drinks. But the reality is you got super wasted. You were doing keg stands like Frank the Tank. And she doesn't know it, but you come out you tell a lie. Like, those lies are, are irrelevant. It's those lies of omission is the pattern. It's when someone inside, like when you look inside of your life, you may be thinking about it right now as you're listening to this, there's lies you're living every day. It's the things you're not saying that are getting you. And when you don't know how to handle those, you don't have a code, you don't have an operating system, and you look at the world, especially where we look right now, being a man, a man who's powerful, like it's scrutinized. Like it's not cool to be a masculine man right now. 
even though I think it is, right? But half the world, maybe more than half the world, wants to basically capture them, especially in your industry that you guys do. And you walk around knowing that, and you got this anger and this resentment inside of them, this fear is, what should I say? What shouldn't I say? And then you add on the business pressure, and this literally puts you at a spot of being a liar. And if you break it down to that one fundamental core piece right there, that's the pattern, bro. Every man that I know is a liar. And what's cool about it is when you understand that actually the lie is the guide, that's how you can shift who you are as a man. Does that make sense? I, I'm, I'm tracking with you there. So to clarify, I mean, when you say every man is a liar, you're saying like every, essentially every man's not living up to the potential that's within them. 100%. Yep. You, you, there's probably things in your life that you know you could do better at that you're not doing. Absolutely. So I, mean, I can, you know, like I use it as an example. Now, I, I teach and preach this message every day. I'm obviously, you can tell, a very good speaker. Um, I get on camera. I do videos. I've got thousands, millions of people tune into to what I say all the time. Um, but even down, like, at the core, right now, I'm going through a complete rebirth of myself. Like, the old Mark is dying going into 2023. A complete rebrand on the way that we deliver our product. A complete rebrand on the way that I think. A complete rebrand on the team that I keep. I walk around keeping people close to me, paying them too much money that don't deserve it, because somehow I find inside there I'm going to get love. Wow. Yeah. The, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like it's been a pattern in my life. Like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to pay this guy $150,000. Don't worry. You don't have to come to, this is legit story. You don't have to come to work for the next three months. Don't worry about it because I love you. Like things that I do that I'm like, what am I doing? And some guys listen to that and like, dude, you're an idiot. Well, I was just, yeah, I am. I'm an idiot. But because love gets in the way, a lot of my actions and I can, I can, justify and manipulate myself to believe I'm doing the right thing for them because they're close to me because they're my family. That leaves me at a place to go and do what's right, what's wrong. And it leaves Mark empty, taking from his wife, taking from his kids, taking from his future, taking from his business because he's not really truly living his truth. So like for me this weekend, uh, like last weekend, whatever, Monday, Sunday, Saturday and Sunday, I spent like 18 total hours through the weekend journaling, cutting, deeping, dissecting everything about me. What are these lies? What are these stories I'm telling myself? And then from there, I got to the point where now I'm like completely naked, not like standing here naked and you know, doing this, but like in my mind, like I'm Nate. naked and all I have left. Yeah. Like just the truth. Nate, naked. <laughs> no. Does, does that record. make sense? Does that make sense to you guys? You yes. Yeah. So what, let me, let me, um, man, the, the, the 18 hours spent like journaling and chronicling your life and like dissecting, how, how did you make that happen? Like, like what did that look like? Do it. I mean, I'll share it with you. I know you said you're going to come and do some work with us, but like I literally started off with these three questions and these would be good for you and the listeners. Who am I? Like once I remove everything about myself, like who, who not remove the label of who am I as a dad? Who am I as a father? Who am I as a husband? Who am I as a, a leader of a business? Who am I as a thought leader? Who am I as an influencer? Who am I as a guy who loves to go to the gym, like every label and everything down, restrict it down to the point where you're there looking at like the unique characteristics of who you are as a man. And what I found for me, and I'm just going to give you my path, is I, I brought it all the way down to the point where I realized I am just one angry individual. And then once I got to the anger, I could start releasing things. So when I look at like, who am I right now? I'm like, okay, I don't really want to be angry, but why am I angry? There's things that are bothering me. But I'm also a lover. I'm a kind. I know that I'm funny. <laughs> I know I'm funny somewhere inside of there, but I spend the majority of my time being serious and having conversations like this. But I'm not truly being that funny guy unless it's for my three little kids. 
So when I strip down the question, you guys can do this for yourselves and you get off here, strip it down to who am I? Like literally just who am I? Dude, don't look at it. Like when's the last time you actually asked yourself, who am I? We just float. A, a walking generality. Right? We walk through life just letting things happen to us. Even though you think you're doing stuff, like the podcast is great, it's touching people, but you know you could do better. Who are you even more than this podcast? What is this podcast going to do? Like who at the course sits here? And you get to that point, and it's not easy to do. You have to think, you have to take walks, you have to meditate, you have to maybe work out, maybe sometimes put music on, whatever helps you get to that creative space and you just start writing. The second question that I would ask, or that I ask myself is, why am I? Like, why am I here? Why am I on this podcast? Why am I on this earth is really the question that I was asking. Like, why am I actually here? And inside of the why am I, there's a lot of, you can find a lot of things because you directly connect that to who you are. When you know who you are and you look at why you're here and you start connecting those pieces, you're going to find out what your purpose is. And if you tie it back to like making money, making money, having a great relationship, having a good body, having, having everything you want, you're actually looking for purpose inside of every single thing that you do. So once I've established and discovered like why I'm here on this earth, like I fully know why I'm here. And, and that is because like, why am I not dead? Why, why have some of my friends died? Why am I still here? I drank more than them. I did more drugs. I was crazier. Everything about my life is verifiable. Why am I here? I'm here for one purpose. And the hardest thing for me to get over is like, I know I'm here to help other people, but how do I help myself inside of that? Like that piece is, is tough for me to answer. But I am here to give everybody knowledge from my vast experience of jacking up my life. Like I was uniquely designed by God to be able to handle the weight of the pressure that I've done. I mean, literally 10,000, dude, you know how much darkness comes from that? So for you, look at like, why? Why are you here? And then the third question, kind of a two-part question is, where am I? And inside of where am I, like where are, where are you today? Across your, your faith, your finances, your family, your fitness, right? Those are the four areas that matter for me. Faith simply means, you know, obviously the God side of it, but also really what it means in my program is believing in yourself. Like at the core, believing in something you can't see. Where are you in belief? Where are you in confidence? Where are you in self-love? Where are you in whatever it is that you have going on? And, and I know a lot of guys like me, what's this guy talking about love? And if you ask yourself a question of all the things you love in your life, where would you be at on that list? And most likely, you're probably not even on it because you don't take time to even think about it. I myself, like I mentioned when I got on here, I walk around, I haven't even had time to look at my wife the way that I want to, right? So here I'm preaching this message, but like my schedule, my routine, the things around me, the people I keep, all lies around me. So I look at where am I, where am I in my relationship? I'm like, dude, you're not even doing what you want to do. Like you make millions, I make millions of dollars. Like what am I doing? What, where am I in this relationship? So that was the, that was the piece that was interesting for me and will be interesting for you guys, whoever does it. Where are you in your faith? Where are you in your finances? Like where are you right now in your business, in your credit, in your, your job, whatever it is that matters to you? Where are you at in your family? What's that balance look like? How much time are you spending with your kids? Are you really going all in on them? Is this what you want for them? So I, I'll share some more with that. Like I live in Wisconsin. I don't love it here. It's getting cold. I have a 34-acre estate here. We do big parties. There's a lot of fun in the summer, but in the winter here, it's very freezing. Not very comfortable. And I ask myself, I have a business that can be anywhere in the world. Why am I living where it hurts my face? 
I say that I want to, you know what I'm saying? Like I say that I want to give my son and my daughters every opportunity to see that life that I keep them caged in, in a six month winter hell. That's a big thing to deal with. Like what's keeping me here? And then in my, in my fitness, right? In my body, I'm like, dang dude, I'm in pretty good shape, but I could be better. Right? I don't need to eat these four cookies I ate last night. So that's the path. I mean, those are three very, very deep questions. They're not like complex. Three word question, but that's where I would start if I was you or anyone listening to this call. Yeah, wow, Mark. Those you're, you're not kidding. Those are three very in depth questions, and I appreciate how you've just been so vulnerable with our audience already. Um, I, I want to ask, like you know, the first question there: Who am I? What if we ask that question and the results that we get are things that we don't like? Like you mentioned, you mentioned the things that you would list on your list, and they were very, they were very positive. You said you're funny, and you know those types of things, but. What if we ask ourselves that question and the answers we write down are, are ugly? I'm glad that you brought that up. So, cause I'm going to, I'm talking to you from Mark who's got eight years of work on himself. I've, I've spent a little over, I did the math here this weekend when I was doing my journaling, a little over a million dollars in the past eight years on my self development to be able to talk the way that I talk, to, be able to think the way I think, to be able to do, to be able to do the things that I want to do. When I embarked on this journey, man, I had nothing. I had no friends. I had no people. I wasn't able to see my son. I was $1.5 million in debt. My life was crumbling around me. I had no confidence. And everything about me was just hell. Like, I, I hated myself. I, I looked in that mirror, and I absolutely hated the man looking back. I was in great shape, actually, at that time. Like, physically, I, mean, I was big, I was strong, like, shredded, one-dimensional douchebag, I'll call that. <laughs> but I, I literally looked in the mirror, and I'm like, yeah, so you look good, so you can pick up some chicks, but what, what's that really getting to? When I got down, I started answering those questions, man. I hated every single thing about myself. I had everything about my confidence that I thought I had was all lies. I used to walk around and say, hey, man, don't mistake my confidence for cockiness. Well, the reality was I just was cocky. And I was basking sedating behind drinking and lies to fight people or to hurt people in any way that I could. So when you get down there, when you get down to that point and you realize, like, dang, dude, this is the spot. Like, these are the things I don't like about myself. You have two choices. I mean, the greatest gift, the greatest power that we all possess, the ability to choose. And when you get it down to that spot and you sit with it and you're like, dang, I get to choose what I want right here, then there's a path and a framework out. So let's just say you got down and you're like, I'll use my example. I was a cheater. I, I cheated on every girlfriend I ever had. Now, you know, every girlfriend. I watched my dad cheat. I watched my uncle cheat. I watched my grandpa cheat. And even though I was had a rough life and didn't like these men they were and I was homeless and I watched the cheating and the cheating and the cheating and the cheating. When it came and then my my first girlfriend actually really liked cheat on me and I'm like, well this is just what we do. Right? People just cheat on each other. I had no formal training. I didn't think about it. I didn't go to church. I had no I didn't morally I was taught the wrong way. I had no code to live by. So I'm like, yeah, dude, it's what you do. You just cheat, man. This is like that's life. You just sleep and kiss and do whatever you want with whoever you want. I realized that when I looked at my relationship and I got to that point that it was a cheater. So in my new relationship with my wife, Kendra, she's my best friend, she's everything. We've been together for going on five years. I literally had to be so vulnerable with her when I got to that point to realize, dude, like, you, I didn't even know if I trust myself, guys. Like, I did not even believe, like, when I first met her, things were so good. I felt too great. She had two little girls and I had my son and they were like, right away, they're on top of each other, like, they loved each other. We did really good for two weeks and I ghosted her. 
because there was a fear inside of myself. I'm like, dude, you, you, you're going to hurt her. You're going to hurt this kid. You're trying to be on this journey. You're trying to change your life, trying to do everything different. But you, you at your core are a cheater and you know it and you're fearful of yourself. You're going to get on Tinder. You're going to get on Bumble or whatever things were out there. I didn't know at that time, Instagram, whatever. You're going to get on these things and you're just going to attack, attract the attention. And then it hit me I'm like, oh, attention. That's what I actually get off of. I actually like the attention. I like the way, I like when the girls look at me. I like this stuff. But then I had this girl that I liked and I liked her too. And I decided, I made a decision. Just like every single person, when they get down and find that face, that piece that they're facing, they're going to be like, what do I do with it now? I had to change. First, I had to learn everything that made me a cheater. I had to change every single my surface level habit first. So like, for instance, I took all the apps off my phone, right? There was no Tinder. There was no Bumble. There was no, I'm not even going to allow myself to do that. I went through my friends list, and if there was any girls that I had any type of type of conversation that would be inboxing me, I blocked them. Then I then I I went as far as the point of like, yo, I don't want to see women in bikinis on any of my feeds. So if you popped in on a bikini, I cut you. That was like a surface level thing that I do. I took away the distraction. No different than like if it's drinking or whatever. You take away that surface level distraction. Then I realized at the core, what do I need to change? So I made all these different changes. I also realized that I was a bad communicator. I thought, I'm the man. I make money. You should, you know, <laughs> you should just give me what I want when I want it. And when I realized that's not how that works, I had to go and I had to learn how to communicate with her. I had to look at the way that I did things. I had to process the anger. So honestly, for me, like you ask the question, what happens when you get there and you're like, I don't like this thing. That's actually better than having the things you like about yourself. Because when you have things that you can like, that you like about yourself, you only make like a one degree shift every day to be just a little bit better. It's a lot harder for me to be better today than it was eight years ago. So once you can face the truest facts, those things that you're lying about, you have a, you have a template to go from. Now, obviously, that's what I teach, and I'm a comeback, but that's a different conversation. Does that make sense? Perfectly, Mark, and appreciate uh, your in-depth answer there. I'm sure some of our listeners are tracking with you, and, and this conversation continues to get more and more engaging. But there may also be some people out there who are just like, yeah, whatever, Mark. How do you deal with, how do you deal, or let me ask you this way. What did it take for you to finally get to the bottom, if you know what I mean? What did it take for you to finally get to the place of dissatisfaction that you were no longer okay with life as it was and you were, a change was going to be needed? You know, because a lot of us find ourselves in places of dissatisfaction or, you know, we know that we could be better, but the pain isn't great enough. The motivation isn't there other than at a surface level. We're like, yeah, hey, you know, I know if I didn't eat this Krispy Kreme donut right now, it'd probably be better for me, but man, does it taste good. But when you're talking about life stuff, when you're talking about the big things, like the character of a man, the honor of a man, you know, the DNA, so to speak, and, and, and there's not a level of pain worth changing for, or there's not a level of dissatisfaction worth making a motivation towards, how, how do you change that? Or can't you change that? And if not, how do we get to that place where we actually want to be better and take action? Yeah, so th that's a great question and a complete different type of concept. So I'll, I'll share my story, number one. I don't believe there is a such thing as rock bottom for me personally, right? A lot of people think, so master justifiers, right? A lot of these people who don't have a lot of pain, I watch it come in my program. Well, at least I wasn't marked. There's people that pay me lots of money because at least they didn't go as far into the pit as I did. Okay, so that's a, that's a weird that's a weird dynamic, but it works for them. Um, but for me personally, man, I was getting, I lost millions of dollars, lost, um, 
didn't look out for murder, like I said, hated myself, drank like a fish, did drugs all day long. I mean, at the, at the height of my career, I would drink 50 to 60 drinks a day from, from I would stay up all night long. So like 50 to 60 drinks a day, snort cocaine all day long, and then take handfuls of pills or shoot heroin to go to sleep. And, every, and get up and go to work the next day and make a lot of money. And somehow I could operate at that level. I didn't think I had a problem. So I just thought the world was like that. I thought everyone was like that. So for me personally, I don't know. I think I just I had a bigger bandwidth to be able to handle more just of a crazier life than most people ever could comprehend. But what it was for me was when I lost my son. So he was taken from, I did a 28 day stay in rehab and I got out in six hours and I relapsed. I got out and relapsed in six hours. And at that point, that moment for me, he was taken from me and I was down. I was like, oh, what do I do now? So I went on a nine day bender, feeling sorry for myself, feeling like crap, feeling guilty, feeling ashamed, feeling embarrassed. Um, literally was trying to kill myself, drinking, drinking, drinking drugs, whatever I could do. My brother came to me and said, here, you need to go, get out of here. We hate you. Go to Florida because my mom lived there. I went down to Florida and I was going to write the rights off of my son. His mom at the time, or his mom, not at the time, but his mom was texting me and telling me, I couldn't talk to him, but she said, you should kill yourself. The world's better off without you. You're a loser. Just write the rights off to him over and over and over. And I started buying into that. I'm like, yeah, you know, she's probably right. So I went. I knew I needed some money after I had been drinking, drank all the drinks I could find for free down the floor. Like, I got to do something. I went and was going to get a job as a valet parker. Like literally all these successes I had, I was going to go park cars at a bar. And the idea and, and the plan for me was park the cars, get some cash, meet some girls, enjoy the beach, shun my responsibilities. So I went and asked for the job and met with the guy and talked to him. And he said, yeah, well, we can help you out. You can come in the next time or whatever. And here's a beer. And I went out to the ocean and I sat down. I had a beer and I heard a voice that said, are you ready to listen to me now? And I answered it audibly. Like I sat down, I was drinking. It didn't just happen. I remember the sky was pink and blue, all this stuff. And I drank the drink. And all of a sudden, I heard that voice and I answered it. So for me, that was what caused me. I'm like, okay, something larger than me. I'm ready to listen right now. Now, we talk about those guys. Like, yeah, my life's not that bad. Well, isn't that the point? Like, and I'm going to go a different angle here. Isn't the point to actually find peace in your life? Isn't the point to actually have happiness? Isn't the point to actually feel great? I would love to build a world where more people are feeling good about themselves, right? So if someone comes to me and like, yeah, I don't have a ton of pain, I think that, that's awesome. We have guys that drink and drink and drink. There's three reasons why guys come in that, that they drink less. One, it's a habit or a routine that they successfully build that works so good for them and it starts working against them. Congratulations. Two, something deeper at the core, shame, pain, anger, guilt, fear, resentment, hatred for yourself, abandonment, cheating, abuse, sexual trauma, whatever. Or three, they just like getting drunk. But that third one is the one that nobody wants to talk about because they don't want to own it. And what happens for these guys that come in, they, they never had the first one or the second one. They think there's something wrong with them because they got a lot of money, they're successful, they find boredom, they're like, man, my life's pretty good. So they stay put. Now, if I go back to these guys that are listening, like, yeah, Mark, I don't really want it. I don't really want it. That's That's totally their prerogative. Like, I don't think my mission or the idea by the reason I'm on this podcast to talk to those guys i think i'm on this podcast right now to talk to the guys that are sitting in their truck sitting in their van sitting wherever they listen to this thing going dude this guy's talking to the way i feel right now i'm alone i'm empty i feel like a walking wallet 
And he knows inside, like, you know what? Maybe the pain isn't great enough, but something sparks this trigger inside, this catalyst of fire and desire for them to go from there. So my question, my answer back to you on that one is, what do we tell those people? I tell those people that feel good to keep being good. Like, keep being good. Like, I don't want the world to hurt. I believe the world still has a lot of good people in there. There's a lot of great parents that did a great job. And yes, people have struggles, but for the most part, I know a lot of people that have a really, really good life. I'm proud to know those people. But the people that have a little bit of pain or a lot of pain, it's your choice and your prerogative to decide how long you want to let that hurt you. How long do you want to hide? How long do you want to be inauthentic? How long do you want to feel like a victim but not tell someone you feel like a victim? Does that make sense? Yeah, man. Say that last part again. How long do you want to feel the victim? How long do you want to be a victim but not tell everyone you feel like a victim? Mm. You ever had these thoughts inside? You're like, oh, it's like, why has this happened to me? Right. Yeah. But you know, you know dang well. But you don't want anyone to let that know that because you're a man and you're, <laughs> I think about a lot of my friends in the trades and stuff like that, right? Like, I'm a strong dude. I go out. I get on paycheck. I drink a week and I'm good. But bad things happen. I get a DUI or I, you know, I get in a fight with my wife and you don't want to own it. But you start asking yourself, dang, why did this happen? But the reality was because you drank and you did something stupid. Victimhood is, in my opinion, is something that, that's a whole different conversation. But living in victimhood is more of a disease than anything I've ever met and felt in my life. And it does seem to be a disease that is quite contagious these days. It, it, it feels like victimhood is becoming the new martyrdom status. You know, like everybody needs to be a victim. I mean... I don't know much about politics or anything like that, but I know in this world that we play in, dude, you become a victim when you get everything given to you. And when things stop getting given to you or you actually have to do things on your own, then you look at the world like everyone owes you. So entitlement is actually what creates the victimhood in my mentality. I, everything that I am about me, every, everything good and bad, everything I've done in my life, I take complete ownership. It doesn't mean that thoughts of victimhood are like when you're down, I'm sure there's a guy listening to this who's like, payroll was tough to make. The business was struggling. The economy was bad, right? Things were going on. He legit had to work through it. And you had those moments where you're like, dude, why is this happening to me? I'm trying to do everything right. That's when the, that's like a, that mindset of victimhood could set in, but how you handle it is actually where the power is created. But in this world right now, because it's so easy to be a victim, so easy to have everything handed to you, so easy to not own anything, so easy just to cry on social media and to get likes and fake people actually like supporting you, you will, you actually find power in just being a loser. True. I know that word's probably tough, but it is what it is. So another word that is, that is tough is excuses, right? And I imagine that you hear your fair share of them. Uh, any coach certainly is going to be familiar with that. And the question is, how, how do you spot them? And how, more importantly, how do you make the people that you are coaching spot them? Yeah, so that's an interesting thing. Um, excuses. Back to what I, the, the three words I talked about. I will just call them SFL on here because maybe you don't have to edit it out. But your excuses get extinguished when you actually live by that code. Right? So before the, the, the excuses even come in, I don't want to know why it didn't happen. I want to know what got in the way and why you're not keeping your work. Right? Why, not to me. So we'll use Ken, for instance. You know, maybe he told me he's going to get down to a certain weight by this point. But as we're working through it, when he didn't get to the weight, he didn't come with the excuses. He just said, here's what got in the way and here's what I'm going to do better. 
There's an actual <laughs> three letters, F-Y-E, right? F your excuses. So when you come into my world, there is no excuses. The coaching, the tonality that I take is very much assertive and in your face. Not that I'm trying to be a prick and trying to speak over your be angry, but I want you to understand that excuses are just lies. Excuses become extinguished when you will truly accept and honor the code that you are a liar. How do you get there? That's a different question, right? Everybody's got, everybody's going to be there a little bit different. How do you hold yourself accountable? What is it? I don't make, do you make excuses for yourself? Let me ask you that, Nate. Sure. Absolutely. Every day. Why? Uh, one, because it's easy, right? I don't want to face either the internal conflict of not living up to my own standard, or I don't want to have to explain myself to somebody who's pressing on it. So how does that make you feel? I mean, in the moment, it, it makes me relieved because I've avoided the, uh, the tension that was going to be created if I admitted to something. But ultimately, it makes me a weaker person and, and um, well, just less, less than. So you use an interesting word called tension. Have you ever stopped to consider the possibility that the actual tension gets bigger and bigger and bigger on the other side? The tension of living up to something. As an excuse is a lie. It's a lie, right? But as that compounds, it gets bigger and bigger. It becomes this like gigantic force of just energy that now is working against you. What, like that tension's there either way. So why not deal with it in the time? Well, so I mean, I'll give you an example. Like uh, I am, I'm more of an introvert, right? So if I if I have a, a conflict with my wife, uh, it's a lot easier for me to shy away from the conversation that will ultimately resolve in the betterment of our relationship because we're, we're getting everything out on the table. It's a lot easier for me to push the feelings down, shut up, uh, you know, go hide, so to speak, and just avoid Can it. I stop you there for a second? <laughs> go ahead. Yeah. So does your wife like that? I don't know that anybody likes that. Do you think that that makes her feel and I don't mean to put you on the spot, right? I'm here. I'm here for it. But do you think that that makes her feel like she's got the most powerful man in the room every day? No, not at all. In your relationship with her, do you want to be powerful? Do you want her to be an equal? Or do you, like, so in my wife, with my wife, she's not nearly as versed as me. Um, she doesn't do the amount of self-development that I do. She doesn't, she, she doesn't put as much work into life, like, growing as I do, yet I bring her with me because I want her to be my equal in all things because I love her, I honor her, I respect her. In return, why I'm able to do the life that I have, why I'm able to do what I want, when I want, with no, just no qualms, no questions, is because she knows that she's got the most trusting, powerful dude. And I'm not talking powerful from fighting or anything like that, that if I say I'm going to do something, I do it. And at the core of our relationship, we had to have some like legit conversations about this is how this thing is going to work. Here's what I do know. Men who shy away from the conversation with her, there's a woman, inside the woman, they want to push you and push you and push you. Inside, they want to actually see how much you will like, put into them, how much work you'll put in, what you'll fight for, what you'll stand for, who you are. And when you do that, and you're not, when you just push it off and you brush it off, she thinks you're weak. Hmm. And she might not even understand what it is. It doesn't, and I'm not talking at like I am, I am he man, hear me roar type thing. 
I'm talking about just being a man who's got a backbone and a word. I, I think of one of my friends. It's a girl. She she dated a guy, and she would literally lie to him because he was just such a nice guy, right? He's always just always doing the right thing, and she would try to get him to like have some feedback, try to get him to stand up. You know what happened was she ended up leaving him because she wanted him to be strong. Women want to be protected. They want like. I know in this world we live in right now, people are like, ah, oh, this guy's stuff. Maybe not on your show, but in the world that I live in and the relationships and the men that I help and the things that I see and the old traditional style, women want to be led. Can they do it on their own? Absolutely, if they have to. Well, why should they? I was just watching the study today. Uh, by 2030, 50% of the, 50 of men are, are, are going to be basically single. It's not gonna be, they're going to be looking overseas for other women. Because they're looking for women who want to be led. This country is letting men are letting women actually run it. When the very most part, like women like my wife or probably like your wife, they want to have a guy that they can trust that is going to lead them, that is going to stand up with integrity, and they're going to do what they say they do. So when I take that back down to a real fundamental level for you, every little thing that you just go, that you just let by that bothers you, or you don't figure out how to handle correctly, make sure to just look at you like less than. And she doesn't even know that. She doesn't even feel that. I'm not. She probably doesn't even know what I'm saying. But if you look at it, you think about it, you could agree. So at, at, that makes sense. Absolutely, man. And and I appreciate the uh, the challenge there. What 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 happens? I think, and maybe I'm, maybe this is just me speaking from personal experience. But you know, some things feel they feel awkward, or I feel ignorant regarding how to approach something. And this isn't just you know the relationship with my wife. This might be a difficult conversation with with another man, this might be a, a difficult thing that I'm supposed to do. And it puts me in a place of awkwardness because I, I may feel embarrassed about it or I may feel like completely uncomfortable with it. But even if I can overcome the the gumption of just like having to force myself into something, I still may be ignorant to exactly how to proceed with it. You know, Brian's a much more eloquent conversationalist than I am. He's, he's much better sure. at, at knowing people and knowing how to read the reactions and then cater his responses to the reactions so that they feel very comfortable. Uh, I, I'm not like that. You know, I, it, that's a challenge for me and I don't read people like he does. So, you know, it is the excuse that, okay, well just figure out a way to learn how to do that better. Or, or what about giftings? You know, Brian may be more gifted naturally than I am. Is that an excuse that is like, I can't get there. So why try? All right. So inside of all this, I don't matter. Brian don't matter. Ken don't matter. Your dad doesn't matter. People, nobody matters. You literally just compared yourself to him. He's your friend for a reason. He don't care if you're ignorant or say what you, you don't know say like you guys are homies for a reason. But the reality is this, right? You're telling yourself stories of lies in comparison to someone else. These things that you have wrapped up in your mind or that are stopping you from, from doing the things you are, are not, they're just stories. But isn't that isn't that part story. of man? Like, isn't that part of manhood? Don't we always look for the hero to relate ourselves to? I don't necessarily look for the hero. I want to create my life. Oh, hold on, I just want to pause so, there and take a note where Nate called me a hero. No, nope, that, that, that was is assumed. How that, that was assumed. That did not happen. It didn't come out of my mouth for sure. Nor will it. <laughs> so the, the hero's journey, right? Well, Nate, why can't you be the hero? And what? What? So you're looking at what is a hero? Is it? Is it Rambo? Is that your version of a hero? No. Maybe, maybe, maybe the hero is somebody who is an introvert. Like, dude, you, I am no better than you. You are no better than me, but you can be your best self. 
And you've only become your best self by becoming the hero that you were meant to be. To your kids, you are their first superhero, right? They look to you. Part of my patterns, part of my habits, part of the pain that I came through is I look to the wrong heroes. So I will give you that to that point. But the reality is when you can understand, you can create anything to the vision that you want by going all in on you and questioning everything you know about yourself, the real hero emerges. In order for the real you, the most authentic you, and that's the word that you're after. It's like, I'm an introvert too, believe it or not. It's just, I really am. And I realized though, to be the man that I want to be, I can't just hide. So I have to learn. I have to skill up. I have to take pieces from other people. I have to learn from books and audios and coaches and all these different things to create the man that I want to be because I think that the life that I'm after can be great. My grades can be different than yours. So when you have that comparison with Brian, like, you know, he's better at talking and this and that, dude, you're already beat. I think you're a great talker. As a matter of fact, Brian hasn't even talked on this call, <laughs> right? So what is the story you're telling yourself? And we'll go back to those three words. Stop fucking lying, man. Stop. Hey, I'm sorry, but that's where we're going to have to cut this part short here today. What a great way to kick off this podcast. I hope that you found what Mark is talking about to be so real and impactful in your life. And I know it is working in mine as well. Uh, stay tuned for part two next week as we conclude this great conversation with Mark and we continue diving into what it looks like to become a comeback and the things that it takes to fight towards that goal. We hope that you enjoyed this podcast. And as always, we want to be bringing you content that is important to you, that is valuable not only to your career, but also to you as an individual. And I know Mark has done that in this episode, and I trust that he will do so in the next one as well. It is Thanksgiving week, and so we are particularly grateful for the time and uh, the investment that you place into this podcast. We are grateful for your listening ears as well as your uh, willingness to share it around and get the message out there. We hope that we are returning that favor to you and then some by bringing you great high content, and Mark was a big part of that today. As always, we want to leave you with our particular challenge, which in this case is two parts. Spend time in gratitude this week. Spend time being grateful for what you have, for what you've been given, and for what you will achieve. But also, make sure that you are pursuing the best version of yourself. Make sure that you are trying to better yourself. Make sure that you are stop, that you stop lying to yourself. And make sure that you choose to wake up every single morning and waste no day. 